Welcome to Mind Over Matter with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. I share stories of insight, personal experience, ways in which I and others have overcome obstacles, and the importance of perseverance. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am thrilled to have you here on my podcast, tuning in weekly as I share two episodes with you. My goal through this podcast is to inspire and empower as well as motivate you to move forward in life. I also provide one-on-one coaching, so if that's something you're interested in, listen all the way to the end for ways to connect with me. Welcome to episode number 139. This week's guest shares with you how to step into your authenticity with both passion and purpose. Welcome to this week's podcast interview. I've brought on Lauren Sims. Lauren, welcome. Good morning. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Give the listeners a background. Where do you live and what do you do? Oh, well, that's fun. I live in Denver, Colorado, and I do a lot of things, but I'm a full-time network marketer with a health and wellness company. I'm a professional speaker and I'm also an author. And how did you get started in all of those different things? (laughs) You know, uh, life always leads you to where I think you're supposed to be. Um, None of this I thought I was going to do. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? This was not my answer. But I've been in health and wellness for almost 20 years, which is a little bit scary because that's aging me. But I started as a fitness instructor, and then I became a personal trainer, realized how important nutrition was in that whole process. Um, I had a practice for a long time as a clinical nutritionist. And along the way that I loved helping people and I loved impacting lives, I was pretty burnt out from exchanging time for money, and I was fortunate enough to find a network marketing company that aligned with my values, aligned with my mission, my vision, and you know products I believed in, and it really just became a platform to do so much more, and while I'm so grateful for that, I wanted to be challenged. I'm someone really motivated by growth, really motivated by contribution, and that's what led to the speaking career and me wanting to write my story, write the book, and I still just keep my options always open to opportunities. You just never know where things are going to come from or when they're going to pop up. Right. But what you shared with me is this hasn't always been your way. And you, you shared that you're now going towards passion and purpose versus popularity or accommodating. So can you give a background of, of what that used to be like and then now what you stepped into? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that... Um, that's, it's a multifaceted answer with the question, but what I thought I was going to do was what's ingrained in our head. And I know Heather, you have a similar story with this, but you know, it was like the 40, 40 plan, you know, you were 40, 40, 40, but you work for 40 hours a week for 40 years. And then you retire, you know, on this big thing. Um, and I always tell people like two plus two doesn't always equal four. Sometimes someone has to show you two plus two equals five. And there's another way. And so I went to school and went to grad school You know, I was following a more traditional work environment, but I wasn't happy. And even though I was like doing what I was supposed to do, you know, I paid my taxes on time and I showed up and I, you know, had a successful business. It wasn't really fulfilling. It wasn't always um, something that like lit my heart on fire. Like I wanted to fly out of bed for, and I didn't go to bed, like feeling really full of gratitude and really fulfilled. Like I just had this anxiety, like I wanted to be doing more. And so along my journey into network marketing, which allowed me to reach more people, and it was kind of lonely as an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, that this allowed me to work as a team and develop these relationships. One of the challenges in regards to the question you just asked me, even though I had found passion and I was like so excited and I loved what I was doing and the people I was meeting and the places I was traveling in, 
with leadership or with a team, there also, you know, comes agony. And while I was really excited about what I was doing, there became a lot of criticism and a lot of judgment. And what you're asking me about this, you know, passion versus popularity is recognizing that no matter what it is you're doing, that you're not going to please everybody, you know? So even me as a nutritionist, and I would have been recommending maybe a whole foods program or a paleo program at the time, there was someone else over here doing a plant-based diet. And there was someone else over here doing a keto-based diet. And that you really just have to stay so true to what your mission is and what makes your heart tick and what you feel your message is. Because according to any sales statistic, it's like 20% is going to love you. 20% is going to hate you, right? And 60% is your fair weather fans. And if you show up every day, like, how do I make everybody happy? You're really going to make nobody happy, including yourself. But if you show up with clarity and vision and like, how do I be the best version of me? Or what's the message I want to have? What's your intention? I feel like that guides you in so many different directions. Well, and so what advice would you give to somebody who's taken that more traditional route, but the phrase I always use is hamster on a wheel. So going through this monotonous routine, craving, wanting more, but it's comfortable, right? So like, where do you even begin? You know, that's such a good question. And I think that some people um, are, um, there's, there's some people that are more quick to get out of their comfort zone and some people need a little bit of push but if you can think about a time where you were like, oh my gosh, can I do that? Or what's going to happen? Or you were worried about what it was going to be like. However, once you did it, you know, you went on the trip that you were too scared to get on an airplane for, or you did that extra rep a trainer thought you could do, or you ran the extra mile longer than you thought you could do. When you think about the way you felt afterwards, like sometimes I want people to hold on to that after effect as a little bit of the propelling. Um, a little bit of the momentum, a little bit of the fuel to get you going. And while I don't like to do things that are fear-based, sometimes we have to like hold the reality up to our face, right? Like look ourselves in the eyes and like mirror, like what things are going to look like if we don't do anything different. And I knew um, back in 2013, when I was exchanging time for money, that the trajectory was the same, that five years, 10 years, 15 years, I was going to be doing the same thing. And if I wanted something to change, something had to change. And so for people that are on this nine to five hamster wheel, or you're just going through the motions, part of it, you have to probe the question, like, what is it that's not making me happy? Or what would make me happy? What is it that's lacking in my life? Is it the relationship I want to change? Is it the experiences of the job? And I'm a big fan of smart goals, just kind of, you know, taking bits and pieces off of this to map it out of that starting point. But I think it has to start with your why and your vision. If you don't know why you do it, and you don't know where you're going to go. It's going to be very hard to implement any type of change. Well, and what I've really learned and experienced on this front is I'm, I'm definitely not saying everybody should quit their nine to five, go do something you love because that's, I don't know. I don't think that's a fair statement. There's plenty of people that enjoy their nine to five. And so I think my whole mission is stop seeking happiness and stuff outside of you because a new job, a new relationship, a new house, a new city or travel, they might bring happiness for a very short term. But if you don't deal with what's going on inside your unhappiness, your, you know, find passion and purpose, find love within, and then all that from outside will follow. 
Oh my gosh. I could not agree more with that. Like, absolutely. And it's funny because uh, for a long time I was like judging everybody's nine to five until I realized like a lot of people absolutely love them. Like my boyfriend is one of them. He loves his job. He loves structure and that works for him. And so it's not necessarily what you're doing, but really why you're doing that. And um, I know Heather, when we talked in the past, I referenced a um, sermon that landed on my heart a few years ago by Craig Pascal out of Life Church. And whether you're faith-based or not, it's just a really good message. But he talked about if every day, you know, or every Sunday when he went to go give the sermon, if he was focused on, you know, how many people he can make happy or pleasing everybody, that message wouldn't land on anyone. But if he was like, you know what, this is a lesson I learned this week. This is something that's important. This is something that I think that could impact someone that if he were to impact one person's life, how much more empowering that would be or how much more um, special or you know magnanimous that would be than trying to please everybody. And that's so exactly what you're saying, that it's not about what you're doing, but why you're doing it, You know who you're able to serve. And that, that inner space, if it's not fulfilled, nothing's gonna fulfill it. And you're gonna find dissatisfaction and judgment in everything. But when you're operating from a like, better place, like so much of that's just dismissed. Well, and so for you, was it creating boundaries? You know, I think that one of the things for sure is boundaries, but I also think that exactly what you just said is loving yourself and just being able to love your perfectly imperfect self. And the way that I like to you know, teach this or explain it is when you're so in love and we've all been madly in love at some time in our life, even as you know, a high schooler, I mean, crazy puppy love, you love everything about that person, the way they smell, the way they eat with their mouth full, like whatever's happening, you don't see any flaws. You're just obsessed with that person and everything they do. We have to be like that with ourselves. And we're so critical to ourselves. We're so harsh in that noise that's in our head. Like we say things to ourselves, we would never say to anybody else. And doing that growth, and let alone those boundaries, it's really coming from a place of letting go of those things you can't change. And I worked with a life coach um, a few years ago. Her name is Lisa Foster. She's amazing. And one of the exercises she has you do is what's called an acceptance speech. And it's, mm-hmm. I accept myself for blah, blah, blah. I accept myself for blah, blah, blah. And if I were to read mine right now to you, Heather, like you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell what are the things I absolutely truly love about myself and what are the things I don't necessarily love about myself because there's such um, confidence and security in all of it and like just assurance. So if I was like, you know, I am absolutely accepting and loving of my blonde luscious locks and I am accepting and loving of my gorgeous smile and I am accepting and so loving with my athletic legs and I am so accepting and loving with my outgoing and directive personality I mean of those things maybe there are some that are true and there are some that I actually don't really love but you work on it with yourself in the same way I don't judge my best friends right and I see through their imperfections doing that from yourself I think is the biggest thing of just being able to let go of other people's thoughts and opinions of you. And I love that. I've never heard of this acceptance speech, but from that, how, you know, because some people that might come across as really cocky and, but how do you step into a space of confidence and accepting versus cocky and arrogant? Yeah. So I don't think that narcissism or arrogance is synonymous with um, self-love and we can beat ourselves up. You know, like I um, once talked from stage and I asked a group of women, 
you know, if you were to think about the noise in your head, the things you said to yourself from the time you woke up, from the time you showered to the time you got dressed, you hadn't even left the house in that first hour. Was most of that positive or was most of that negative? And for me personally, especially years when I really yo-yoed with my weight after doing fitness competitions, I mean, in the shower the whole time, it's like, ooh, that roll, ooh, that mole, or ooh, like your thighs are touching. And, you know, wanting to not stand in the mirror, however, when you're putting on makeup and this wrinkle or that zit or this, that, or whatever's showing up. And then you go out into the world. And if you can picture the energy you're putting out as an aura, as a color, like, are you a bright, vibrant color? Or are you a dark and grimy and moody color? And in order to shift that, you know, and focusing on the things that you do love about yourself, focusing on the fact that I believe we are created on purpose, every single one of us is unique and dynamic and special, that you can come from this place of embracing love and light for others and for yourself without necessarily being arrogant. Because just because you know you're worthy and you're enough and you're lovable, isn't saying I'm better than you. Like, I think that's where the arrogance and narcissism comes from is when you one up other people, you're competing or you're saying, well, I've got this better, that just by knowing you're enough and you're worthy doesn't make you arrogant or narcissistic, but it's, but I get the fine line. (laughs) Well, and I think it's stepping into a space of leading by example. So a lot of the things I do, I'm, I'm very open, vulnerable, sharing stuff, sharing the shit, sharing the highs. Because I don't want people, you know, the whole social media, the highlight reel. No, mine is like real life. Here's what's really going on. Here's what I'm going through. And my hope is by, by showing the confidence or the enthusiasm and then the days when I'm not so much, that that's what it's really like. And so to help people step into, embrace, like you said, embracing your imperfections. And I don't even know if I like that word. It's just like embracing you, your authentic self. Totally. What steps or advice would you give somebody so that they can more step into their authenticity? So I think like I'm a huge fan of affirmations. Like what you focus on, you find, right? Like you focus on grows, what you focus on, you become. So if you are focused on the areas that maybe you're not super in love with, or if you're focused on the areas that aren't going exactly what you want, that's all you're going to see and you're Mm going to find more of it. That part of it is just shifting your focus and stepping into the direction you're going. So I'm a huge fan of affirmations. And it's not that just saying I am statements are going to get you there, but the I am is going to trigger your reticular activating system in your brain. Like your I am systems are going to get you to make different decisions, how you communicate with people, how your body language is, the things that you listen to, maybe a podcast instead of garbage you know, music or TV, whatever that is. And over time, these compound effects of all these different decisions start to come to fruition. So I think part of it for sure is I am statements. And that can be, I'm a leader, I'm a writer, I'm a speaker, I'm an amazing daughter, I'm a wonderful sister, like I'm super fun, I'm really outgoing, whatever that is for every single one of you. I think a huge part of this too is who you surround yourself with. Like I heard a long time ago, and it comes from Jim Rohn's, that like you're the sum or the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you're around a bunch of Debbie Downers and negative Nancys and drama people and gossiping people and people that are not motivated or driven, like how are you going to feel, right? And how does that wear on you? Where when you surround yourself with people that are uplifting and they're forgiving and they're warm and they're welcoming and they're ambitious, like think about that ripple effect. So I think those would be like some of the places kind of even right away. 
That seems to keep being a common theme because I literally interviewed somebody yesterday who quoted Jim Rohn, the exact same thing and shared the same message. So, I mean, I, I agree. Right. Um, but also, and I think what you're saying is what you focus on expands. So what you think about, you bring about and whatever your thoughts are, that's, that's what you're going to get more of. So just choose, choose your thoughts. Yep. And you know, sometimes too, you know, like you can have a pattern intercept, like our, our brains are, we're so wired to just go into things that we're comfortable with, even if they don't serve us. So if it's normal for you to have all this negative self-talk, like sometimes you literally just have to like, stop. Okay. No more. And like redirect it the same way. If you are, you know, driving the wrong way, driving the wrong way, finally you like, stop. I'm asking for directions, like have something that just like catches you mid tracks. And I have like my own little power move. And I learned this, um, you know, years ago at a Tony Robbins seminar, but one of the places where I can get really triggered is in the gym. You know, I've been in fitness forever and I'm like, Oh, my legs doesn't look like that. My butt doesn't look that, or oh, she looks so much cuter in her sports bra or whatever that is. And I'll literally just kind of like scratch the inside of my hand. You know, no one knows that I'm doing it. It's not like I did a jumping jack off the treadmill, but I'm just kind of like enough to break my, my, my pattern, you know, break that circle and just like, stop it, Lauren. I'm grateful to be here. I'm so grateful for my health. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here right now. And just immediately you can shift what you're focusing on, but we've got to teach our body how to do that with to condition ourselves because we're so used to doing things sometimes that aren't serving us. We have to teach ourselves how to do things that are actually really good for us. What you really hit on there is one, you have serious self-awareness, which is very important. And two, that you keep stepping into a space of gratitude. Wow. Yeah, I do come from that. I try. I try really hard. <laughs> yeah. So then what are some key takeaways that you really want listeners to know about this whole choosing passion and purpose and authenticity over popularity or following the norm? So I think that um, when I first really got it to click, like I had heard similar messages, but I attended a seminar and Robin Sharma was one of the speakers and he spoke about that on the front of every shirt that says leader on the back says target. And we have to kind of remind ourselves that if we are not shaking things up, you're probably not doing enough. And I um, had a good friend once say like, you know, people are going to talk anyways, you might as well give them something to talk about, like in a positive way. And when you're focused on popularity, when you're focused on really making everybody happy, number one, you're not being true to yourself, but you're going to be in an impossible rat race because not everybody likes the same thing. Like Heather, you and I probably don't like the same workouts. I know for certainty, I don't want to run 22 miles, you know, but why? Um, I will leave that up to you. Um, but that doesn't mean what you're doing is wrong, right? I might want to go for an outdoor bike ride for 75 miles and you're like, Nope, not my jam. And that's okay. But if I don't do those things, cause I'm worried about what Heather's going to think of me, like I miss out. And then she feels bad because she feels like she disappointed me. And you get in this rat race that you've got to just do things to make you feel good. You know, I don't like the same music as my boyfriend. I don't like the same food as my sister. I don't like the same clothes as my best friend. And that's what makes us all special and so unique and so dynamic. And I think in order to really let go of that judgment and to really let go of the fear associated of like, what are people going to think of me? The two things that um, are my solutions, that's the same adjective, but different ways is going to be love. And the first is love for yourself and that acceptance of I'm doing the best I can. 
you know what? And if Heather doesn't like it or Ryan doesn't like it or Sarah doesn't like it, like I'm doing the best I can. And the other is also giving other people grace and forgiveness and a form of love. So if someone doesn't like why I do something, it could be so quick for me to get defensive. But when I can show up in a place of like, okay, well, why didn't they like that? What's making them uncomfortable or what point of view are they coming from? And you can see things from someone else's eyes. A lot of times you're not as defensive. You're not as frustrated and you can say, okay, we don't have to see eye to eye in this, but I understand kind of where they're coming from. So I think my solution is love, love for yourself, love for others, and then just permission for us to all be ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Can you imagine if everybody stepped into that and, and took that, those roles, what the world would be like? We need to do more of these, a lot yes. more of these. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you to kind of wrap up the interview. The first one is, what is a quote or motto that you live by? Um, there's a lot of those, but the first one um, that's coming up is never let anyone dull your sparkle, mm-hmm. which is really in line with kind of what we're talking about. But that was me for a long time. Like I would just let one bad text, one bad social media comment, just really get me in a funk. And I read a book that um, changed my my life, literally. But it's what you think of me is none of my business. And I, um, with my like boyfriend's daughter right now, she's 13. And we all know what those middle school years are like. And some of the things that she comes home about that as an adult, and we're like, this is minuscule at 13, that is your life. I mean, this is a make it or break it. If I'm going to go to a school type of situation. And I think, what if I'd had personal development in my life then that I, I, I remind her of that. I'll text her that I'll give her some quotes and I'm just like, be you, be beautiful. Never let anyone dull your sparkle. And going wow. back to that, that we have to be us and we have to shine bright. And when someone affects us, that ripple effect of how we show up for other people, or we block other people from supporting us is like so detrimental. Uh, Lauren, I love that. What advice would you give your younger self? I would give, oh my gosh, this is maybe because I'm focused on it. See what we focus on, we find. Um, You guys can tell that you're not prepared for these questions. Um, It's very in alignment with this, but would probably to care less what other people think. I mean, I was probably in my 30s where I felt congruent and I felt confident to just be who I was. And I was that person that, I mean, just in middle school and high school alone, I was a raver. I was a Gothic. I was, you know, a little hood girl. I was a preppy. Like I was all over the place trying to be friends with everyone, which led me so unhappy. And, you know, when I think about college or any of those things, I was always chasing something like it was never good enough. And I got a degree and then I got another degree and then I got a master's and another master's. And there was this whole chasing that was proving something. And I remember once reading a book that like literally the question was like, who are you trying to prove something to somebody else or yourself? And it was me. Like, no matter what, if everybody else was like, good job, good job, Lauren, you're doing all these things. It never felt enough. And when I was able to accept myself and realize that no matter what I did, right, that like none of those accomplishments were going to get me somewhere, that's when it was like able to release some of that anxiety and release some of that pressure. So I think the actual advice is like, some of those lines I already said in here, that you're lovable, you're good enough, you're worthy. And the book, The Four Agreements is something that is so powerful to me. You guys should all read it if you never have. But I, I go by that, you know, in where like doing the best you can wasn't enough for me without titles or without recognition in college, but it is today, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. And actually the four agreements, I write about that in my book. It was one of the first books I read. I was 15 years old. I've never forgotten the four. And the one that always sticks out to me is never take anything personally, which is very difficult, but don't, right? Because then we create these stories and this unneeded drama and ugh. Ugh, don't come back to it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Final question for you. Who inspires you? I am inspired by so many people and I want to give you an answer, but I, um, there's a quote that I want to say to you that you can't be inspirational if you are not inspired, like you can't inspire others if you're not inspired yourself. And so something I do all the time, you guys, is I wake up and I listen to podcasts. I don't listen to music when I'm getting ready. I listen to David Goggins. I listen to Tony Robbins. I listen to Lisa Nichols, these people that I'm like, holy cow, like what have they done? And the people they're interviewing and whether it's amputees that ran the Boston Marathon or, you know, it's these little kids that came from sub-impoverished lifestyles and went on to become self-made millionaires. I mean, just things that you really see if there's a will that there's a way. But the one person right now that I have to say that most people are not going to know is my mentor, Janie Elo. And I tell people that she's my real life guardian angel. And she doesn't inspire me because she showed me how to build a multiple six-figure business. And she doesn't inspire me because she's really successful. Um, She inspires me because she just embodies the type of person that I want to be like. You know, I mean, she embodies contribution, that she is the epitome of a servant leader, that she's constantly doing things for other people. She's walking the talk. If she's encouraging me to get to a seminar or read a book or listen to a podcast, she's already done it probably twice. You know, that she just has such grace, such enthusiasm, such passion, such integrity. And when you meet people like that and you just see a gem in the world and say, wow, like she's the type of person that, you know, leaves the glitter, (laughs) like the trail of glitter, but truly leaves people better than when she finds them. That's something that inspires me. That's someone that inspires me. Um, And I think to the other person that really does is um, Tony Robbins. And a lot of people listen to him, but mostly because his analogies land on me. Um, When I went to Unleash the Power Within and he talked about, you know, if you want to have a a good life, like you need to have average standards. And if you want to have like an excellent life, you need to have great standards and just kind of how hard you have to work to get there. And he uses all these analogies with athletes, but like the difference between a gold medalist and silver medalist in Olympic swimming is like milliseconds, right? But we all know who the gold is. No one knows the silver. And just to say like, what are you willing to do in that last millisecond, you know, that last 0.1% to not be average, to, to raise the bar and to do something bigger and more powerful, more bountiful than you could have imagined. And he has exemplified that time and time and time again, that like, there's no there, like he could have reached the pinnacle, but he keeps going, he keeps going. And that's something that the days I'm too tired or the days that I'm not really motivated or the days I'm frustrated, like I can hear him and it's like, okay, do you want to be the silver or you want to be the gold? And that inspires me. I love that. That's phenomenal. And uh, one, one interview guest, one time he told me that he inspires himself. And I think that's a phenomenal answer too, because he's pulling from within. Love. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story. Thank you. Thanks for hosting. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. To connect with me further, you can find me on Facebook, Heather Hakes. I am also on Instagram as heather.hakes. And I even have a YouTube channel. Guess what? Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>